Today is the last Sunday in 2018. If you look back on the year behind you, I bet you see things there which you would not have guessed would be there if you were uh, to predict last year at this time. Uh, There are some bright spots which you didn't know were coming where things turned out better than you could have hoped, or maybe there's some trouble behind you which you are really eager to forget and leave behind in 2018. Some of you this morning are in a place which is just far beyond what you could have imagined because you took a risk last year and it turned out better than you would have dreamed or some circumstance unfolded. You were in the right place at the right time and you can't believe how good 2018 was and and next year maybe we'll be filled with the same and then others will be here uh, who made the worst mistake of their entire lives in 2018. Or someone else did something to you. Someone that you depended on failed you. And you cannot wait for 2018 to be over soon enough. You're thinking, I cannot go through another year like that. In a room like this, that's going to be true. Now, there are two things that I can tell you with confidence about 2019. The first is we have no idea really what is coming. Does that seem gloomy? Does it? It doesn't have to be uh, because of the second thing that I can tell you. And that first thing is just, it's empirically true. But the second thing is a statement of faith. And so you might not believe this. I'm convinced that no matter what you face in the year ahead, you will be in God's hands. Okay, that does not mean that everything that happens happens because God made it so. That's not how it works. But it is true, and this is my statement of faith, which I intend to show you this morning so that you can make proper sense of the year behind and have the right expectations and approach to the year ahead. You cannot do anything to take yourself out of his hands. That's who God is. That's the first thing I want to show you. And then secondly, I want you to see this, that at every single moment, his hands are ready and willing to make us through our failures and successes. That's the second thing I want you to see. And then the last thing I want to say, again, this I cannot prove, but I can make as a statement of faith, God's hands are completely good and entirely trustworthy and altogether capable. And I say this knowing that in this year behind, again, some of you have things that are so grievous and difficult and you want to move away from them, okay. And others have just gone from strength to strength and you wish you could relive 2018 again, you can't. But in the year ahead, there is for all of us an opening that if we're willing to learn and see the truth about the nature of God's decision about who he's going to be and who we are, then we can live it differently. And our teacher is going to be a young man named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was was a young person when God came to him and essentially said, you are going to hear my word and then pass it along to my people. He lived in the middle of the 7th century at a time where God's people were on the verge of a national disaster. You've heard the word exile before if you've been in church. It's the time when God's people were all taken from their native land and everything was ruined. Leading up to that time, it was one year after another where the people thought it can't be worse next year, and it was. And at that time, God said to Jeremiah, I'm going to show you something that you can show to my people. And it's for them, but it's for us too. 
And I bring it out to you this morning from Jeremiah, uh, from God to you, for us to see what we need to see, that God wants us to see for this year behind and ahead. Uh, the, the story is recorded in the 18th chapter of the book bearing Jeremiah's name. We're going to look at it and, and see what we can learn. Here's how it begins. 18.1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. God instructs this young man to go to the potter's house, and that will be a place where Jeremiah will see something, and then God will explain what he's seen, giving Jeremiah his words to be passed along to the people who are struggling and who God loves. Verse 3, so I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. Jeremiah does what God says. He makes his way to the potter's house. This would be like an artist's studio. There in the center of the studio, a round flat table which rotates, a stool beside it for the craftsman to sit at, and then material to work with in order to craft vessels out of clay which go from the imagination of the artisan becoming a reality through the process of spinning on the wheel and being shaped. If you were in art class in high school and you took pottery, it's not too much different today than it was back then. Now look at what happens as Jeremiah observes what God wants him to see. This is verse 4. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. As the the clay was spinning there and the potter was doing his work, something went wrong. It wasn't what the potter had planned. The clay became spoiled. And becoming spoiled, the project that had been intended had to be shut down. And so the potter starts again making a vessel as seems good to him. Now, Jeremiah's watching this happen. And now as he's watching, and please listen now, as he's beginning to use his imagination and wonder, what might God teach me about himself and these people through what I'm seeing? As I hope, by the way, you're imagining right now. And by the way, whatever you believe about God, use your imagination now and let the possibility of God's spirit move you forward. What is God trying to say through this scene? While he's thinking of that, God interrupts with a question. And this is verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel? Just as this potter has done, says the Lord. God says to him, Jeremiah, you see that potter there? I want you to see through his actions, my actions. You see the clay there? I want you to see through the clay's experience, the experience of my people, Israel. And then I want you to consider, can't I do with my people just what that potter is doing with the clay? Can I or not? And now as Jeremiah is considering, and by the way, Jeremiah lived at a time when the project that God had in mind for his people, Israel, had been disrupted, had become spoiled. And a lot of the people began to think, well, I guess, I guess it's at an end. In fact, some of the people in Israel began to think, maybe God, this whole God thing was just a dream anyway. 
Things are not going as we'd wish. We're not becoming what we thought we would become. And so maybe it's all at an end. But then God says to this one sensitive man, can't I do what you're seeing right there with these people? And then he tells him explicitly what he needs to see and what we need to see this morning. Look at it. Just like the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. That is God's way of saying to Jeremiah, if you want to understand how it really is, not what it feels like to you, not what other people have told you, but what the truth is about how it stands right now between me, God, and all of these people, look at that potter and look at the clay. And in the same way that the clay is in his hands, so are my people in my hands. There, is, there, there are rich lessons in this for us. Just as there were then for the people of Israel, And for them, it was their opportunity to learn and listen for the year that was ahead when Jeremiah said that. For us, it's the same. You might say, well, I'm not a part of the house of Israel, literally. Okay, what happens in Christ is that God's family is expanded. And it's not just the descendants of Abraham, the house of Israel, but it's any and every man or woman who's even willing a tiny bit to open his heart or her heart to the truth that I can trust God. How much do you have to open it? Jesus said, if you have a mustard seed size faith, watch what I do. And mustard seeds are teeny weeny. That's what it says in the Greek, teeny weeny. So what could you learn? You can learn lessons from the potter. And I'm going to put four of them up here for you. And we'll learn these if we narrow our vision and, and, and follow what God said to Jeremiah and ask, how is the clay in the potter's hands? How am I in God's hands? How are we as a people in God's hands? And by the way, I take deep responsibility for Renaissance Church and the way we're in God's hands. Not because it's up to me, but because God has put me in the position to do the best that I can to guide you into faithful reflection on what's behind and what's ahead. And I want that for us. So what would we learn? Go back to verse 4. This is the moment where, where Jeremiah stands and watches the action unfold. And in this one scene, in this one instance here, There are things happening which provide us with lessons ourselves. And the first that I want to direct your attention to is the fact that the spoiled clay is is not nowhere. It's somewhere in particular. Notice where it is in this phrase right here. In the potter's hands. The year behind you has had some false starts where things got spoiled. The year ahead of you and us will have some endeavors that turn out to become unyielding and intransient and therefore fall apart and they'll become spoiled. But what this tells us here, right here, is that even when the clay is spoiled, it remains in the potter's hands rather than being discarded out of the potter's hands. And this is surprising first for Jeremiah because he lives in an environment where there is an abundance of clay. Okay, every artist has to just go out into the nearest bed of a stream and gather all that she wants, all that he wants, and then when a project begins to unfold and becomes spoiled, when the clay stops yielding and being flexible in the artisan's hands, well, it makes a lot of sense when that happens just to crumple it up and throw it away. But in this scene... The artist does not do that, but instead decides to keep 
the lump there, the spoiled lump, right in his hands nonetheless. He will not let it go. Now think of Jeremiah's day with me for a moment. Those of you who know the history of God's people uh, will know this well. Israel at the time of this story was like a spoiled child. Every path that God had told them to go on, they went on a different path. Uh, You've heard the word sin, perhaps, or iniquity, or transgression. These are uh, the Hebrew Scriptures' words for depicting what it's like when a person knows they should go this way because God said so, and instead they go the opposite way. And I'll be specific. In Israel's day, they knew that they should be fair, and they were unfair. They knew that their justice system should be governed by what was right, but instead it was for sale. The richest person got justice because the judges took bribes. They knew that in business practices, everything should be copacetic, but instead the scales were weighted to favor the man selling rather than the people buying. The rich people in in Jeremiah's day were supposed to use their abundance to care for the needy, the oppressed, and the orphans, but instead of that, they bought second homes for themselves, and they controlled the market to press down. This is all over the prophets. These people went the wrong way, and as a result, their lives became spoiled. And by the way, whatever, if you're a mature Christian, you'll know this. You'll think, yes, when I turn away from God and I sin, it's bad for me. Others in here might think, now that's old-fashioned religious ideas. Let me suggest for you that the best way to interpret the misery that's behind you and the difficulties that you will face, and by the way, if you haven't faced them, it's just not yet. Or someone you love is in them right now. The best way to interpret them is whenever a person walks away from God, it's bad for them. And by the way, if you're suffering and you did not walk away from God, maybe it's because someone else did and they put that mess on you. But here the first lesson for us is that any time we're tempted to think that I've been so bad, I've wandered so far, I've been such bad clay that the potter has discarded me, this first bit of the scene teaches you to say no to that belief and instead embrace the truth that, here it is, that you are in God's hands. You still are. Uh, Someone here will say, It doesn't feel like it to me. It does not feel like I'm in God's hands. Well, of course, clay has a very weak central nervous system. But you're there. Uh, When you're broken and you're a mess because someone else harmed you, you are right there in God's hands. And you might not feel it, but it's true. This is a statement of faith. But I give it to you in full assurance this morning. When you yourself have been wrong and wandered from him, not doing the things God wants, still you are in his hands, as spoiled as you are. How close are you? Listen, it says it in Psalm 34, 18. God is near to the brokenhearted. How near? As near as the clay is to this artist's hands. And even if you don't believe it, you are invited now to trust it. What do do his hands do? It says it again in, in Psalm 34, 18. His hands bind up the broken spirited and those whose hearts are crushed. He's holding you now and he's holding you for a reason. And this leads us to the second observation from the text, which has a second lesson for us. It's not for nothing that this artist decided not to throw away the clay. He has a reason for that. And it also is there in the detail uh, that comes in verse 4. And it is that, listen now, the artist is holding it because he intends with that same lump of clay to make another vessel. There it is, wheel, with this misshapen project, which which looks like it should be discarded. The artist makes a decision, and the decision is, I will not give up 
I'm going to keep going with this one because I have a plan in my heart and my mind. I have a vision for this one and it's not done yet. I'm going to keep working at it. And even if it wants to give up, I'm not going to let it get away from me. And it can try, but I'm going to hold on to it because I have something great. I have something really good to do here. And this lesson uh, that God gives to Jeremiah for his people then and for us now is that God's intention to make another vessel means, and this is the second lesson, that God is not done with you. Not at all. You're still in his hands because he has more work to do. And you maybe get to the point in life where I worked really hard at this, I poured my whole self into it, and it came to nothing. And now you're tempted with this idea, well, it's all at an end for me. I gave myself fully to this endeavor with others who thought it was the right thing to do. We had a good project in mind and it fell to pieces. And now you're thinking, that's it. Or whatever it is for you. And you're thinking, this life of mine was vital, but now that this has happened, it's done. And listen, that might seem overly dramatic. It's not overly dramatic. A lot of people feel like that. And what they need to know is what Jeremiah teaches here, which is you are in God's hand because he's going to make another vessel. He's not done with you. Who needs to know that? You know who needs to know that? The high school boy whose love goes unrequited. He gives his heart to that girl and she doesn't love him back. And that might seem like it's too much. Listen, my sophomore year, I, I fell for Kristen. I'm not going to tell you her last name. I don't want you looking her up. I kissed her once. And she had my heart, and then she broke up with me through her twin sister the next day at school, and for a year, I pined over her. It was like my whole life was over. And some, some of you have kids right now who are going through that. And you might be tempted to minimize it. Don't. That's hard. Or when you grow up a little bit, you gave your heart to him, and he said, I don't want it. And it feels like it's at an end. That's who needs to hear this. Or the family that had a vision for what Christmas was going to be like, but they had to let it go because one of the chairs that was supposed to have her in it or him in it is empty now because too soon he departed, she's gone. That's who needs to hear this. Or every man and every woman, no matter what the circumstances, who has to live through a divorce. That's who needs to hear this. Or every team of people at a church that's really inspiring and is growing and is excited who comes together and says, this year we're going to start this new ministry. And they start it and it gets some momentum, but then it falls to pieces. The wheels come off. And now they're like, what? We thought this was a good plan. The project completely ended. Everyone who's in that position needs to take a deep breath. And you do that now. And remember as you inhale, God is not done with me. God showed that to Jeremiah for those people. And now... At the very end of 2018, I'm going to let him show it to me. He's not done yet. The artist still has the lump of clay there in his hands on the wheel for a reason. No matter how badly it becomes marred for me, me, and I'm, I'm the preacher, right? I'm a real person too. 2018 had some unexpected things and 2019 will also, I know that. And some of them will be greater than I could have dreamed and others will be really hard. But for me and for you and for us as a church together, God wants us to recall with each new challenge, with each new spoiled project, we're still in his hands and he's not done yet. Would you do that? And does that make you feel a little hope? Does it or not? And it should. But listen now, lesson three is challenging and I'm gonna put it before us because I want us to be mature and grow up. And that's what we need to do. Lesson three comes when we notice 
what is happening with the clay which remains in the artist's hands. It's captured with these words. He reworked it. And only the person who spent a lot of time making pottery will know this, but reworking clay is a process that takes a lot of time and it has specific uh, phases in it and it's not very fun for the clay. It's not. It's difficult. In fact, being remade is hard and that's the third lesson. And it's hard for the clay and God wanted Jeremiah to see that because he wanted his people to have the right expectations and be mature. I want that for you. I want you to want God to remake you. But I also want you to know that it's going to be hard. But that's not bad because every good thing is hard. Every good thing. If you take away pain and challenge from the world, guess what else also goes away? Every beautiful thing disappears. Because there's no beauty without suffering. There's no art without challenge. There's no good music without heartbreak. There's no beautiful paintings or sculpture without devastation. But the God who makes us is going to remake us and it's going to be hard. Okay, just picture you are the clay. Here's what happens. When the project becomes spoiled, the first thing is the artist has to crush the clay down into the smallest possible size. That is a sphere. And then, in order to get the bubbles out of it so it won't burst when it's heated, the, 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 the potter has to pound the clay repeatedly until it is completely flat and every air bubble is out of it. And then, the wheel starts to spin, so the clay is moving and moving and moving, but it's going nowhere. Jeremiah, remember, Jeremiah is meant to see God's people in that clay. You should see yourself and us there. And then finally, after that's done... It begins to be shaped, and think of this, constant pressure and force from the hands of, of the artist so that constantly that clay is uncomfortable and being forced to change little by little by little by little. Do you see it? Everything you built, everything you dreamed of, everything you wanted, it was crushed down and taken away to nothing like the hands of an of a artist just crushed it. Why? Well, because that's what God had to do maybe to get things going in the right direction. Please remember, I want to be clear on this. It does not mean that every bad thing that happens in life or every unwanted thing happens because God made it happen. That's not the way it works with God. Maybe for the image of the potter and the clay, there are plenty of other images in the Old Testament and the New which picture our relationship to God which show the truth that we have agency to go far away from God even though God doesn't want us to. But maybe sometimes God needs to take apart the project that you or that we have thought was the right one before he can get the, the thing going in the way he wants us to. You know the Apostle Paul, some of you? He had a great project. He was extremely successful in his endeavors until he met Jesus. And then he, he had his whole entire project of being the very best teacher of the law crushed down to nothing so that he would say, everything that I used to count as gain, I now count as rubbish, as loss. Why? For the high calling of being clay in the hands of this master, even though it hurts immensely. He didn't put it in those words, but that's what he meant. And then, here, think about that second thing. Remember what I said? The clay being pounded down? God is going to beat you over and over and over until every bit of air comes out of you. That's weird, isn't it? Can we not push that too far? But can we know that one of the themes that the Bible is full of is divine discipline? Never, ever does God discipline someone because he's mean or angry or spiteful. That's not how it works with God. If you had an earthly father or mother who did that, that's nothing uh, at all about what God is like. But God is the one who will 
uh, put us through challenging times in order to make us pure. That's an image that's all over the Psalms and Proverbs as well, that like metal is purified in the fire so that the dross is burned away. So too are we refined and made strong and magnificent and beautiful and courageous and lovely in the fire. All discipline at first, all earthly discipline at first seems awful. The author of Hebrews said this. But then when it's endured with patience, the fruit of that is righteousness and strength and goodness. That's how this artist is going to make us. It will be hard. You can do the same for each. Uh, Spinning on the wheel but going nowhere. Have you ever felt like that? You're just spinning your wheels in life? Maybe for a, a little while, maybe for the whole first quarter of 2019, you're just meant to go in circles and not go anywhere forward. Maybe that's what God has for you to prepare you for what's next. You know how in New Jersey, in order to turn left on certain highways, you need to go on the jug handle? Right? Not, not 22. That's an anomaly. Don't think about Route 22. That, that was a mistake. But, but the jug handle means to get closer to where you're going, you have to get further away from it first. And then... And then the artist's fingers press and press and press in order to make something new, and that will not be pleasant for the pottery. But here, God wants us to know through Jeremiah that, that being remade is, is, is the end, uh, and, and for a particular reason. And, and here is the last lesson for us. Uh, and this we also see when we come back uh, to verse 4. Um, I might want, or others might tell you, I might want to tell you this, that if only in 2019 you will do everything that God wants and have the right kind of faith and, and, and follow these rules, then you, all of your dreams will come true, right? Then you'll get just what you've always wanted. I mean, that's not the lesson here. It's not. It's not that if you will see that you're in the potter's hands and trust and believe, then you will be made into the vessel which seems good to you. That's not the message. It's different. And by the way, the difference is better. Do you notice in verse four, here's what it says. It will be that you'll be shaped into the vessel as seems good to him. That is the potter. And here, the lesson is that God has a good vision for you. And whether that is exactly the same as your vision for yourself, we can't know. But what we can know is that if there is a difference, every single time, the best bet is to go with God's vision for you and let your own go. And I'm realistic here. I have a vision for myself and for our church this year. I hope you do too. And some of those ideas that we have are great and they will come to be, but others won't. And what we should do in those moments is to remember that God has a good vision. And, and then to be the kind of clay which is not spoiled in, in the artist's hands, but rather is yielding and flexible and malleable in the hands of the one who is making us. The kind of object which is no longer so stubborn and, and faithless as to say every time life turns out differently than we had hoped, oh, why hadn't it gone my way, but instead says, Potter, what are you trying to teach me? What are you making of me? Here's a season where it's hard and I'm spinning, but I'm going to trust and therefore I'm going to be open to the gentle or maybe even rough hands that are making me into something new. And here it is. This is the invitation for all of us in the year ahead. 
and also the invitation for us to understand what's behind. To see every broken failure and mistake as something which this good potter is going to grab a hold of so that he can remake us into something new. And then to look at every opportunity down the road as first and foremost an opportunity for us to decide in the moments that are ahead of us at each step to allow ourselves to be shaped by the hands who know better than we could even dream what is good for us. And then listen to this last thing. What is good through us? And this is maybe the most important thing for us to have a kind of faith which is mature and shaped by the master Jesus. God wants to make us into vessels which are good for the world which he loves. And by the way, that's the best thing for you. It is. If you set off in this year and say, how can I procure for myself all that will make me a winner? How can I advance my own agenda in this year? How can I make it better for me? Then good luck. I don't know what'll happen. Maybe you'll succeed for a bit, but the end of that road is doom. It's awful. On the other hand, if you say, in this year ahead, what I want is to be shaped by the hands of this master so I become a vessel which is good in his hands for the purposes that he has in mind. And by the way, that should be exactly what we endeavor to be as Renaissance Church. You know what the word Renaissance means in Latin? Rebirth. Is it Latin or French? Nobody knows good. I'll just say it with confidence. Latin. That each and every season we should look at ourselves and say, time for a new birth here. Time for a new vessel. And let us be in the hands of this master, the kind of clay that can take the shape as he intends. And then watch what he does. That will be better than anything. And let's pray for maturity and trust in this year ahead. Let's do it. God, we love you. And we thank you for this moment this vision which you gave to your servant, Jeremiah, and we thank you that he was faithful to put pen to paper and record it so that we ourselves could benefit from it. God, would you add to this time the power and the transformation that comes from your spirit dwelling in us? Would you stir in every heart in here to take the lessons that we've gathered from this scene deep into our hearts so that they shape us? And would you do the same for this church altogether? And would you help Renaissance Church at the end of this year and moving on into the next become the kind of community that first seeks to be in your hands an instrument, a vessel that matches your vision? And would we do the same for our own lives personally? And then would you show us how good you are when we do that? We pray for that for the sake of the world which you love and for the sake of the people around us who we love and who we want to see thriving in this year and for our own sakes too. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.